Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. It's good to see you today. Before we kind of get into our psalms this morning, I just want to kind of give you just a real quick update. Some of you know and some of you don't know, and that's that's fine. I never know whether to talk about anything personal or not, but in the day of the internet, it's usually better to get out front so you don't think I'm hiding. This time last week, I was in ICU, and uh, I had a little bit of a, uh, two years ago, remember, I had a heart, or a year and a half ago, I had a heart attack and so forth. Man, that was over in two or three days, and you know, got my stents and felt like a new man. Uh, but uh, I had a, had a little situation. I've, I've got chronic diverticulitis. I've had it for 20 years. And uh, so I have to pay attention to it. And I was actually, uh, Pastor Ben and I went out to uh, Austin, Texas to get some coaching on a project we're getting ready to launch in the next uh, few months. And um, on the way back, I noticed that it was kind of kicking up. I, you know, in my head, I'm still 25. Can you believe that? You know, so I'm thinking, ah, oh, just power through it. You know, but anyway, I uh, got really super dehydrated, and I was at an event uh, here at the church for the retirement for the Wilsons, some of our missionaries who I just love, and I was quite frankly really selfish. I didn't want to miss it because I was excited for them and and uh, to see some old friends and and so forth. And in the middle of that, I passed out and made a big scene and you know, gave them a very memorable uh, anecdote for their, for their retirement. So uh, anyway, I got to the hospital, and uh, so I had a combination of the diverticulitis, dehydration, and a touch of sepsis on the side, and then my blood pressure dropped, and they couldn't get it up. So it took, it took two or three days for them to figure out and sticking a bunch of tubes and so forth in me. I just wanted you to be aware that I'm not hiding anything, you know, I'm not dying. Well, we're all dying, right? So, you know, but that's just the way it is. I, at some point, I need to remember the fact that I'm not 25 anymore and start listening to my body just a little bit. Uh, but in my, in my head, you know, I, I told the, uh, my college kids the other day, I hate hanging around old people. And they said, what do you mean by old people? You know, people my age. I don't like to hang around them. So, but uh, the, the, the reality is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. I was good enough. Actually, my grandkids came into town last week. And uh, so I'd promised I would take them to Carowinds. Hadn't been in 20 years since my kids were that age. And uh, uh, so Tuesday, I wasn't feeling up to it. Wednesday, I wasn't. But Friday, it was their last day here. So I took them to Carowinds. I rode the train and one other fun kid ride and, uh, and sat in coffee shops and under shade trees the whole time. But uh, a good time was had by all, even Poppy. So uh, now they're, they're back off and I'm ready to get back to work and we're ready to get back to the Psalms. And that's where we are this morning, Psalm chapter 111. And uh, last week, Pastor Ben gave a great sermon on imprecatory Psalms. I kind of wanted that one. Because I have a list of people I would like to pray imprecatory psalms over. I don't know if you're like that or me. I keep a list. Uh, if you weren't here last week, imprecatory psalms are those ones where, uh, uh, you know, the psalmist is, Lord, strike them bone and marrow. May they bleed out of their ears, you know, those kind of things. And, uh, uh, and he explained the context for those and when they're appropriate and so forth. Unfortunately, none of them are really appropriate for the people I have on my list. So I just need to apparently find Jesus and, uh, and rearrange some things. But uh, this week, we've got a different approach. And that's one of the reasons we're going through the psalms and, and looking at them different ways because the Psalms, is, it's, such a, it's, it's a hymnal. It's a rich book of, of different perspectives. And, um, and, and so this one is an important one. And this service is going to be a bit unusual. And I'm going to tell you that up front. Um, and I'll, exp I'll explain the context in just a few moments. But it'll be unlike any service that I remember ever having been a part of Life Fellowship now for uh, on my 12th year. All right. So just kind of buckle your seatbelts. Um, I'm not going to be preaching a full-blown sermon the way I normally would. And, um, and you all are going to get involved. 
So how do you like that? So it's July. July is the month when a lot of our folks take vacations, a lot of our staff, particularly ones with kids. Julie and I usually wait and go in the spring or the fall because we want the regular folks to be able to have kids that can go in the summertime when they can go. So I'm here all summer, but, you know, we've got staff out. And while this is a decent crowd this morning, you know, this is a time of year people are on vacation. So I thought this would be a good time to experiment a little bit. So we're, we're going to try that in just a moment. But as we approach Psalm chapter 111, you know, we tend to be awed by things that are, that are bigger and more powerful than us. I just mentioned the Wilsons uh, about, uh, I guess it was three years ago, right before COVID hit, 2019. Uh, they invited me on a missions trip over to Africa, where they had a big project going on in Kenya. And one of the things they, they said to those of us that went, have you ever been on a, a safari? And I'm a big animal nut. I, 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 love, I love going to zoos, for instance. I, virtually any time I go to a major city around the world, I have to go to the zoo. I've seen some wonderful zoos and some things that were scary, but I, I just I love animals. And so to be able to drive through a national park in Africa and to see these animals in their native habitat was just one of the greatest thrills I could ever imagine. And Diana Wilson put together this little, this little side trip for us to go, and it was absolutely spectacular. One of the top 10 things I've ever done in my life. Um, and I discovered at that point that part of going on a safari is, to, they call it a big five, a big five, which is there are five animals you want to see on a safari. And the interesting thing about them is they're all spectacular in their unique way, either by their speed or their size or their rarity. So it, it is the elephant, the water, not a water buffalo, the cape buffalo, I think it is. It is a lion, a rhino, and a leopard. And if you see all five of those, it's considered to be like, you know, seeing a, a, a grand slam or, or, you know, some, uh, you know, a, 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 a triple play or something like that that you would see at a baseball game. Some, something that's unusual. Uh, and and it, man, this, was a, this was a great safari. So we went and within like half a day, we had seen all five. And, and it, was, it was amazing. And if you ever get a chance to do that, I would, I would highly recommend it. But even if you take your family to the zoo, where do, you, where do the kids want to go? We want to see the giraffes, right? We want to see the elephants, lions, tigers, and bears, you know, the bigger animals. Me, I like to see the gorillas, you know, the big, the, the big monkeys. Uh, and when you, when, you, when you go, you tend to be awed by that. You stand there a little longer. You appreciate it a little more. It is, it is something. Um, when uh, Bob and I were on our missions trip earlier this spring, we went by some waterfalls. I'd never seen waterfalls like this. We were actually on the Nile River. Uh, um, and it was just spectacular to see these huge... Why? Because they're powerful, and they were large, and they were stunning. When I was a kid, we go to SeaWorld. What's the first thing you want to see at SeaWorld? Orcas, right? The killer whales. You want to see the big beasts. So... When we look at even the heavens, why are they so inspiring? Have you all seen those, those pictures that just came out this week of the new telescope that, that they just got the pictures in? If you haven't, Google them. I mean, it's just amazing. And you feel so small when you see all that God has created and what is out there. And we're so insignificant in comparison. When we look at this psalm, we need to kind of have that perspective. God is calling us from time to time to stop and consider who he is and what he has done and to see ourselves in relation to that. And here's the key word, with gratitude. With gratitude. 
You know, many times, whether it was David writing the Psalms or others, but he, he said, you know, throughout Scripture, we see phraseology that talks about, look at all that God is and look at me and be amazed that he considers me at all. Be amazed that not only did he create me, not only did he love me, but when I broke it, he was willing to redeem me and to forgive me and to make it as if it never happened. And if we don't do that, we will become entitled, self-centered, self-absorbed, narcissistic, self-focused to the extent that we don't see God at all. And whether you're a believer or you're not a believer today, I think we could all agree that in our culture, we are about as self-absorbed as any generation that has ever existed. Everything in our culture caters to us, to our desires, to our wants. Every algorithm that's on the internet is trying to feed you with what will make you spend money and spend time and offer clicks of appreciation. The whole world is set up so that we'll focus on ourselves rather than on him. So when we read Psalm 111, and I hope you were listening carefully as Julie read it earlier, this is a celebratory psalm of gratitude toward God. I want to look at that pretty clearly in just a moment and collectively in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to pause and say this. If gratitude is something that we should be emphasizing in our Christian life, then in gratitude, the failure to be thankful ought to be something that we proactively avoid in our Christian life. And this is a danger. You know, one of the most damning passages of Scripture that, that we find is Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 addresses our culture perhaps as well as any admonition and warning in Scripture. If you haven't read it recently, let me just urge you, draw a little note right now, read Romans 1, and read that tonight or tomorrow as part of, as part of your quiet time. But Romans chapter 1 is, is telling us the consequences of a life lived apart from God. And in verse 21, which is interesting because it's, it, 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 it's, a, it's a kind of a key setup to it, here's what the Scripture says, for even though they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Man, that is, a, that, that is the story of our generation. You know, even people who don't believe in God use his name all the time, do they not? <laughs> you know, I always want to, when I hear somebody using the Lord's name in vain, I always want to pause and, and, and kind of explore that. So, well, are you a Christian? Yeah, well, why are you, why are you using the Lord's name in the name like that? Uh, that's interesting to me. Are you not a Christian? Then why are you using his name like that? Because you don't believe in him, right? It, it, it's never a good idea, I think, to use the Lord's name in vain. But I think it's also a good idea that if you hear it or see it or, or do it, that you ought to pause and say, what's, what's, what's up with this? I've made the joke before, and some of you tease me about it, but I, say, I never hear anybody say, oh, Muhammad, I kicked that table. You know, nobody says that, right? Right? Somebody pulls out and trim. Well, Buddha damn you. You know, you don't say that, do you? No, you, you, don't, you don't do that. Why? Because nobody thinks they're real, except at my, my, uh, in my weird sense of humor every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll do that just to get a reaction. But, but it, you know, tr truly, why do people use the name of Jesus Christ the way they do? 
Well, there's a reason that even most people who are using it aren't aware of it, is because it is the ultimate moniker, the ultimate name by which everything must give account. It is, it is the alpha name. No other name approaches it. Nowhere in the world. And even those who deny the existence of God are prone to use it in a thoughtless, careless way, and that is unworthy of who God is. And so, Romans chapter 1, where you see basically the, uh, the society that slip slides to Gomorrah, you see a society that eventually becomes where they accept all that is evil and celebrates it, and denies all that is good and mocks it. Wow, does that sound familiar? Where does it start? Well, it starts when they knew God, but they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Now, the reason that's important is because God is the ultimate truth. He is truth. And when you remove objective truth, and I don't want to get too philosophical with you. That's, that's, for, my, that's for my small group. But, but the important thing to remember is this. If there is no absolute truth, everything becomes possible and nothing becomes dependable. So when you have no objective truth, the world becomes chaos. There are more than two genders, (laughs) you know, as long as nobody gets hurt, as long as everybody's consenting. That becomes the standard for right or wrong, rather than what has God said in his design. And whether or not we like that or agree with it or makes us comfortable or supports our desires, that's irrelevant when there's objective truth because true is true in all places at all times, in all situations for all generations, whether or not anybody at all believes it or embraces it. I mean, that's the very nature of objectivity, very nature of objective truth. So when you get to that, you've got to deal with that. Many people won't deal with it because it's easier to live by feelings and facts. So we have, to, we have to stop and think. And you know, one of the things I love about this church is that it's filled with people who are willing to think hard thoughts. So when we go to the issue of gratitude, we need to be thinking some hard thoughts. Am I truly grateful? If God is real, if he indeed designed this, if he is sovereign and has permitted this, if there are consequences to rejecting him, if we take all these truths and really believe them, then it screams at us. We ought to be grateful. Grateful for what God has done. Grateful for what God has provided. Grateful for what God is going to do that he's promised. And this is kind of the nature of the psalmist's approach to this. And this is why we've got to be really, really careful about ingratitude. Because when we aren't grateful, we develop an entitled spirit. When we aren't grateful, we're unaware of the blessings that give perspective to the difficulties of life. There's no balance. Well, If we're not grateful, we develop narcissistic and arrogant attitudes. If we're not grateful, we'll complain more. And I find that's very true in my life. The more you'll hear me complaining is whenever there's a big deficit in my appreciation for what God has done and a failure to be grateful for it. We tend to exaggerate our situations, make the wrong things more appealing in our imaginations. It separates us from the goodness of God because all we see are the badness of consequences and rebellion. It confuses us about our roles and where we stand in God's universe. And let's be honest, our culture screams at us that you and I are the center of our universes. It's all about us. You deserve a break today. You deserve the very best. You deserve not to wait. Just do it. It's all about us. 
And yet, in God's word, it isn't about us. And you will not actually be able to fulfill your role in God's economy until you recognize that he is the center of the universe and that we are a part of his plan. That change fundamentally in perspective provides contentment. It provides purpose. It gives us intention. It provides a lot of things. But as long as you and I think that it's all about us, everything around us is intended to serve us, to please us, and to praise us. And that becomes a long-term problem, and it creates all kinds of chaos in the universe. And so we have to be careful. We misappropriate, when we're ungrateful, we misappropriate the blessings we have. And you know how we do that? We say things like this, oh, well, I'm just so lucky. You ever hear anybody say that? Who's a Christian? Yeah, we do. Actually, the word luck comes from a, a, a Nordic type of term that actually is referring to uh, an equivalent of a satanic or demonic force. So, I mean, and I'm not saying every time you say, well, I'm lucky that you're doing that intentionally, but if you study the etymology of it, it's pretty dark. Or here's one that's very popular today that I would challenge you to, to avoid, and that is, well, karma. Well, when you talk about karma, you understand you're buying into Eastern mysticism, and basically the idea is if you do enough good things in a previous life, you have blessings in this life. That's, that's karma. Or every good thing will be returned with another good deed to you which is, is really good, but what does the scripture say? Well, the scripture says, first of all, remember this, that when somebody's evil to you, you should be good back to them. And, and, and re remember this, that uh, we are all broken. We're all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. If we, deserve, if we got what we deserve, we'd already be in hell. So when you stop and think of truth, you think, yeah, that, that feels so good. Well, it may feel good, but it's flawed. And so we have to understand that, yeah, there is the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a higher calling, and it's a philosophical statement. But we need to be careful about adopting the terminology of pagan or occult beliefs ignorantly. And so gratitude calls us back to truth because it gets really simple. God is all. God has created all. God is in control of all. And when we put God where he belongs and all the other pieces fit into part, we experience all the blessings that God has designed, designed for us to enjoy. So when we read this again, and I'm going to read it aloud. I know we read it earlier, but I want us to hear it aloud again with this in mind. I want you to be thinking about gratitude. Then we're going to have an unusual part of our service. All right, look in verse one. Praise the Lord. By the way, I want to stop here just with that. The word praise the Lord, <laughs> you knew I was going to do that, right? Can't help it, I'm a teacher. All right, so the word praise the Lord here is an English translation. Some translations started off with hallelujah, all right? But actually, the first word of this, it, if you look at the, uh, the, the Hebrew in which it was originally written, is the word thanks, and it is written with the first letter of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. And this is significant because I want you to see the poetic beauty of the Psalms as we're studying them this summer. Some of these are called acrostic psalms. And an acrostic psalm is written like, uh, there used to be a, A is for the do, 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 do. You remember that song? I'm not going to sing it to you. You'll be grateful for that. But then it's B is for that, and then C, and then D. Or you, sometimes you do that with mother on Mother's Day. Mom is magnificent, and she's, you know, live for others, and, and we spell it out like that. Well, that's what this psalm does. Only it uses the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the first letter, as it's translated, is for us, means praise the Lord or hallelujah. But in the Hebrew word, it was actually a word for thanks. And if you, if you translated it absolutely as closely as you could, it would say, I will say thanks to the Lord with all my heart. 
So that first phrase that we have, praise the Lord, is a little more complex in the Hebrew, where it says, I will say thanks to the Lord with all my heart. And that kind of expands it out, doesn't it? And sets the pace for the whole thing. So praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. So that's inverted there. In the company of the upright, in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures, notice this word, forever. He has caused, see the intentionality of that word? He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. He made it so that we don't forget. Every time we look, we're reminded that we're accountable to something greater than we are. It's so magnificent. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Verse 5, he provides food, food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So it starts with praise and it ends with praise. And so we're going to look at three facets in this chapter. And we're going to have... Thanksgiving in the congregation today. Thanksgiving in the congregation. Because we ought to be thankful in this congregation, should we not? Of all people that are on this planet, those who are the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. We ought to declare it out loud. We ought to not be ashamed of the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the glory of God. We live in a culture that is suppressing truth at every turn. Some of you, I mean, we get emails from you, and you talk about the things you're going on at work. You say, if I say what I believe, I may lose my job. And the day is coming when we're going to need to make conscious choices about whether or not we will speak the truth or hide the truth, and it may cost us in the future. But if it does, let the truth still be the truth in the lives of those who have been saved by the truth. We need to develop a backbone in regard to this and not be silent in the presence of evil, not be silent in the, praise, in, in, in the presence of lies, but to be bold in the declaration of the truth. And we can do that because he's worthy of that. And we give glory to him for that. And we also give warning because the consequences of ignoring truth, Romans chapter 1, is really, really clear. And it's a complete, complete breakdown of morality, a complete breakdown of order, a complete breakdown of civility, a complete breakdown of even things that they would espouse to hold like love. Because when you love the wrong things, you are going to reap a dark consequence. And we have to love the right things. So we need to be thankful in the congregation because when we're thankful in the congregation, it reminds us of what is really real and what is really true. And you know, as a congregation, we ought to be thankful for worship. And I want to say this to all of you who are, who are watching at home. And welcome. We're glad that you're at home. Some of you are watching it live right now. Some of you will watch it later in this week. Some of you are on vacation, and I get that. But some of you are watching it because... It is easier to watch it at home than it is to get out of bed and get ready and drive to church and to be able to sit with other people that you may or may not know. 
you're the folks I really want to talk to at this moment, okay? And I'd like for you to listen, and everybody else can kind of listen in with me, but I would simply say this. There is an important part of body life that involves corporate worship, corporate praise, corporate instruction, corporate thanksgiving. And when you aren't here, you can't experience it in the same way as when you are here. Now, by the way, you can say this. Well, I know what you preachers do. You want people to come in and be a part of the service because then they have to give in the offering. You know, rather cynical. Thank you so much for thinking so highly of us. But I I would simply say this. 90% of what is given on a typical Sunday does not come through in those boxes on Sunday because our culture has changed. I never, I, I mean, I give every two weeks when I get my paycheck. Every two weeks, it goes, goes out of my pay, pay gives it a check, check arrives in the office, and I don't even, that's just how people are doing it. Most of you are doing it. 90% of the people in this church, I'd say, this isn't about you coming, okay? This isn't about power. It's about what did God ask us to do? He asked us together. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, again, if you've got a chronic illness and you're afraid of COVID, I'm not talking to you. If you're on vacation this week and you just want to, I'm not talking to you. If you've got, if, if you're, if you've got some kind of special circumstance, but I'm talking about those of you who are there, you know, eating your lucky charms in your pajamas and you're going to go play around a golf this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's who I'm talking to. Okay. All right. Or you did like me and you went someplace fun last week, but you can't manage to get to church this week. So this, these, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I am trying to poke you in the brain, right? I do that a lot. I want you to think because when you are with the body of Christ, by the way, say, well, I just don't get anything out of it. Well, maybe it is not God's intention that you come on this Sunday to get something out of it, rather to give something to somebody else. Do you understand the importance of that? Do you understand the importance of walking through the lobby and seeing somebody stand by themselves and realizing that they may be going through something and they just don't even want to get in their car yet and go home? But if you walked up to, and I see this often, and I just praise the Lord for it. It just warms the cockles of my heart when I see this. I'll watch somebody from our prayer team or somebody from this audience, and they'll go up and they'll put their arm around them, and I'll see them talk, and then I'll see them pray together. Or I'll see them take out their phones and exchange phone numbers, and they're going to get together this week. That's body life. We don't come to church about what's in it for us. We come to church because God is doing something in us, through us, around us, beyond us, and we want to be part of it. And so by doing that, that discipline of congregational worship, congregational thanksgiving, congregational instruction, congregational fellowship, we strengthen each other. And there are weeks when it is for us, and there are weeks when it is for others, but there's never a week that God isn't doing something in somebody's life in this church. Not every sermon is supposed to be for you. Some of you are like, oh, I'm grateful all the time. I don't need this. I, please share that with me. But, you know, but, but, you know some, some weeks it's for family. Some weeks it's for singles. Some weeks it's for older. Some weeks it's for younger. Some weeks it's a book of the Bible you're familiar with. Some weeks it's one that you're not. We're family. We're family. And sometimes we get prayed for and sometimes we pray for others. So let us be thankful in the congregation and let us be thankful for the worship. So in verse 1, starts off with praising the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord with our whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Then look in verse 10. It draws it all back again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. And here's that other praise. His praise endures forever. From generation to generation, from age to age, it is forever. 
May the congregation be thankful for worship because a lack of worship is a dangerous sign. It represents a lack of gratitude. When we have grateful hearts, there's going to be a response. It's a hug. It's a thank you. It's a gift. It's a note. It's a compliment. It's something that we exchange between each other. So is it not appropriate that we exchange it with the one who designed us? It's considered bad form. It's considered rude even to receive a blessing or a gift and then fail to respond with some sort of acknowledgement. You know, I, I keep a box of suckers in my office, and when the, somebody brings their kids by, I always leave one. And invariably, you know, the kid, he's shaking, he doesn't know, and can I take this? And they're all panicked at that moment. And, and you know, I'm trying to make them feel comfortable. But, but, but then always, either mom or dad say this. As soon as I hand him the sucker, what do you say? Right. Why? It's because good parents teach their kids to be grateful, right? They teach them to be polite. Isn't it tragic that many of us enjoy all the blessings that God has given us day to day, year to year, and we never have anybody say to us, what do you say? Isn't it time that we're grateful? Isn't it time that we're thankful? And you know, worship is sometimes private. I get that. And sometimes it's public. But whether it's public or private, we understand this. We ought to be introspective enough to offer gratitude and to celebrate God's goodness. It's sometimes quiet. And sometimes it's expressive, but before God, it ought never be absent. There ought to be grateful worship in the congregation. So here's what we're going to do. We've got the house lights up this morning, and we're going to be grateful in the congregation. Now, if you're watching from home, it's going to seem a little odd, all right? But we're going to do it anyway. We already, we already made this decision, all right? And I made this decision before I had my, had my uh, issue, all right? We, uh, the sermon's been planned for some time. This is either going to be a really great sermon or a great, uh, great service, or it's going to be a big flop. So we're getting ready to find out, all right? Here we go. Well, we're going to go by sections, and we're going to do this three times this morning before we're done in gratitude. And the first thing I want to do is for us to express gratitude for something about the character and nature of God in our lives, all right? Something about the character and nature. And I don't want you to give a speech because if we do that, it'll just go along and along and somebody's going to say something really stupid. So let's don't do that. <laughs> we'll just do, yeah, don't tell private information about your wife. I'm thankful that my wife has quit drinking. No, let's don't do that, okay? <laughs> but let's think about God and there is something going on maybe in your life for which God has suddenly become very real and personal to you. And so you may say, I thank God for his endurance in loving me. That's all you got to say. Or I thank God for his provision when I lost hope. That's all you got to say. But in doing so, we lift up the Lord. All right? So we'll go by sections. We'll do one, two, three, and four in the back. All right? And so I'll just do this section until it's done. Then we'll go to this section. We'll go to this section and the final section. And then we're going to move on to another. All right? So it's participatory. See, I grew up in a small church. We did this all the time, and it wasn't weird. All right? So... Work with me. Let's see how we do. Okay, this section, are you ready? Have you thought of what it is? Somebody just, all you got to do is stand up and say, I thank God for, and let her rip. All right? Who wants to be first? I knew this was going to happen, by the way. And I could host Jeopardy. I'll just wait and wait and wait. So, <laughs> all right. Amen. Excellent. Who next? Because once I leave your section, I'm not coming back. Ah, oh, what a blessing, kids. God he cares. Amen. Who else? Amen. All right. Amen. Excellent. Anybody else? 
Family. It's sweet. Anyone else? Endures forever. Just those two words. Powerful. Anyone else? All right, let's go to the section over here. Who's first? He's in control. We need to know that every time we're watching the news, don't we? Yes, sir. Never gives up. No matter what you're going through, he's not giving up on you. Amen. Yes, ma'am. The one thing you always count on. Yes. Yes, sir. Peace in the midst of chaos. The ability to endure all this stuff. Amen. Great. Who else? Troy. He cannot lie. Absolutely. You may not like it, but he's telling you the truth. Amen. That's right. What else? Yes, sir. Amen. Grace to get us through and the timing to make it real. Amen. Good. Anybody else? For, did you say contentment? Amen. Amen. I love that. Last call? All right, the section over here. Amen. Angel unaware, sometimes God brings somebody into your life. Yes. Good gifts, yes. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, yes. Amen. Peace and strength that keeps you going. Yes, ma'am. Amen. As long as you're on this side of the sod, he's still working in you. Amen? That's awesome. Anybody else in this section? Oh, yes. The hounds of heaven pursuing us is what C.S. Lewis called it. Yes. Eternal perspective. That's right. This is not all there is. Excellent. Anybody else in the section? Yes, sir. Peace and strength in the midst of storms. Carrie's wife tomorrow is having Whipple surgery, one of the most difficult surgeries you can possibly have. Got a cancerous tumor on her pancreas. So you pray tomorrow morning. We'll be down there with the family tomorrow. But you pray for his wife. This is her third bout with cancer. You pray for her. Her name is Christy. All right? You want to pray for her tomorrow. Just. I think when God's wisdom, his faithfulness, his ability to transform this wretch into something that looks more like him. Yeah. Where would we be without Jesus and the transformative work? Amen. Yes. Forgetfulness. That's a great one. Because he doesn't just forgive, he removes it. That's awesome. Who else? Yes. Yeah, he doesn't just hear, he answers. Sometimes the answer is different than the one we thought we were going to get, but it's always the one we need. Amen. Daniel? Amen. Iron sharpens iron. I think I saw another one over here. Yes. Yes. Sends people to love us and speak into our lives. 
Excellent. Okay, back to section. We'll start on this section first. Anybody back here? Yes? Amen. It's Holy Spirit, constant comforter. Anybody else? Patience for when he makes mistakes. Amen. Anyone else? Oh, that's a good one. He's never forgotten about you, even when we've forgotten about him. Powerful. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And by the way, this family right here, they've, they've been watching us online. They're from Ghana, and they've moved here to this area. And, uh, and you need to get to know these folks. It, 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 what a great family. And they've, they've relocated this area. And they, she, uh, the wife used to watch online, and, and every week we'd give a message, and I'd always read it every week. I wanted to see if she was there. If you weren't there, I worried about you. I'd never met you. And then, then one day, this whole beautiful family comes into church. What a, what a great story there. All right, let's go on to this side. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Promise of the imminent return of Christ. Yes. Maybe soon. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Every day is a fresh start. Yes. Amazing grace. Yes. Bill. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Brenda? Amen. Good body. Yes. Amen. Last call? Great, grateful for them, sorry. Yes, he is faithful to begin a good work in you. He is faithful to complete it in the end. Yes. All right. Do you feel encouraged at all? When you're reminded by the testimony of the believer of the goodness of God, is it not something that builds you up? I mean, as you're sharing those, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a good one. I wish I thought of that. And yeah, that's another one I need to thank the Lord for. That's part of what we do. So we're thankful in the congregation that we can worship the creator. All right? Then if you look in verses 2 and 3 and 4 and 6 and 7, and I want to give us plenty of time, so I'm not going to go through each of those verses, but he says, be thankful for the works of God. Be thankful for the works of God. You know, I wonder if we haven't become a a kind of a bunch of entitled Karens when it comes to thanking God for all that God has done for us. You know what? I'm sorry for all you Karens. I just said that, but... Last, last time I said Karen's and Chad's, and there was a Karen and Chad sitting right there. You know, so, but we, we get that way, don't we? We take, I don't like this, I don't like that. And, 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 and next thing you know, we're, we're never grateful. We're always unpleasant and unhappy. So we need to make sure that we enjoy. So here's, here's what I want. One word this time. We're gonna do, we called these popcorn praises when I, was, when I was growing up. One word, something God has done for you that makes you thankful. All right? One word. All right? We'll start on this side this time, all right? We'll mix it up. All right. One word. Healing. Healing. Forgiveness. Grace. Peace. Conviction. Purpose. Mercy. Hope. Strength. I'm going to move to this section because y'all are going to use up all the good ones. <laughs> all right. 
Well, I'm sorry. Saved. Saved. Yes. Redemption. Salvation. Salvation. Blessed. Blessed. Loved. Healing. Humility. Takes humility to be thankful for humility sometimes too, doesn't it? Yeah. Clarity. Clarity. Provision. Wisdom. Refuge, self-confidence, help, gracious, steadfastness. Excellent. Let's go to this section over here. Transformation. What a powerful word. Joy. Restoration. Security. Wow. Comfort. Reconciliation. Man, isn't that a powerful one? Hope. Truth. One more. Listens. Back row. Protection. Patience. Guidance. Long suffering. All right, the section over here. Forgiveness. Family. Amen. Healing. All right. Just those one words. The power of a single word when attached to the characteristic of God ought to inspire gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Can we just pause and thank you? Father, thank you for these words that we've used that declare out loud your attributes, reasons for our hearts to have hope, to be filled with joy. And Father, some would say this is corny, and yet we say this is worthy of you. This is an expression that allows us to focus on all that we have, to drive away dissatisfaction, to drive away conflict, to drive away, to drive away the injustices that Satan would heap upon us by being reminded of the goodness of God. So help us to praise you for these in the congregation, not just today, but every day. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Okay, here's the last one. Thankful for the word. In verse 7, he says, The works of his hand are faithful and just. His precepts are trustworthy. Verse 8, They're established forever, his precepts, and to be performed with faithfulness and upright. And here's an important thing. It is always assumed in Scripture that obedience follows the declarations of truth from the word of God. There's always a connection. When you know truth, we're to obey truth. It's a really, really clear correlation in Scripture. And then if you look at in, in, in verse 10 again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom for those who practice it have a good understanding. We're to know the Word of God. We're to practice it. And with that comes, as one of our brothers said here just a moment ago, comes wisdom. Wisdom. That's the beginning with the fear of the Lord. All right? So we're going to be thankful for the word. Here's what I want you to do, all right? We just got just a few seconds left. I want you to just stand and quote either your favorite verse of scripture or a phrase that mean, is meaningful, all right? So what is the word of God that you cling to when you're going through something? We'll start in the middle section, all right? Just give me a phrase or a verse of scripture that you can quote. Yes, sir. Amen. All right, Philippians 4. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Man, we ought to tattoo that one on our foreheads. Amen. 
My heart is fixed. I love that strong phrase. Anybody else in this section? Amen. It gives the peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Who else? Be anxious for nothing. Sometimes I need to tattoo that one on my forehead too. <laughs> I will trust in him. Excellent. Be still and know. Amen. Anybody else? All right, this section right over here. Yes. No matter how deep the waters are, he's going to be there for you. Yes, sir. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who else? If you got your heart set on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Yes. Excellent. Last call? All right, this section over here. Yes, Abundant life, that verse you'll find on the front steps of our church. That's a key verse for this church where we get our name. Amen. Metamorphosize is the Greek word there. Change you from the inside out. Excellent. Anybody else? Justin? Amen. Enlarged heart. Amen. Gives us a reason for getting out of bed every morning. Who's my disciple for today? Anybody else? Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful verse. Thank you for sharing that one. I'd forgotten that one, man. That's a great memory. Yes. I thought I saw somebody else. Amen. The great blessing. I see somebody else over in this corner. Worthy is the lamb. Yes. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's right. And we don't have to wait. We can declare it today. Amen. In the back. Oh, man, that's a beautiful one. Anybody else? Amen. Sustain. What a wonderful word. All right, over here. Amen. I shall not want. He has set us free. That's a great way to end. All right, folks. I know this was unusual, completely unlike what we normally do. But here's what I want you to leave out of here with. We ought to be thankful in the congregation, thankful for the goodness of God, thankful for the wonder, the works, the worship, the word of God. He's worthy to be praised. So when you come back next week, when you're driving home today, whenever you're at home and you're, you're just a little down or whatever, just pause. Think of Psalm 111. Let's lift up the name of the Lord and watch the change that occurs when our hearts are filled with gratitude. It'll refresh your perspective. 
It'll remind you of truths that sometimes get forgotten because of circumstances. And it gives testimony to others that we live a different life in a broken world. But it is a life that's filled with joy, not despair. With hope and not with negativity. We serve a living, risen, loving Savior whose name is worthy to be praised.